0: Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders Podcast. Episode 93 is the Islanders even up the second round series with the Boston Bruins with a, an exciting 4-3 overtime win on a Casey Suzekis of all people breakaway. And hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at Agros Newsday and joined as always in the playoffs by uh, Neil Best, Mister at SportsWatch, Watch, and Colin Stevenson at Colin S Newsday. And men, how are you feeling about this game in the uh, in the third period? There, uh, Neil.
1: <laughs> well, I was feeling like I sent in my column at uh, when it was three to one and. I was having some emotions when the uh, Bruins played <laughs> the game, as, as all sports writers can relate to. However, if I separate myself from, from the uh, logistical challenges of the job, but yeah, it was an exciting game. Look, the Islanders deserved to win that game. Obviously, they gave up those two late goals, which, uh, you know, <laughs> was not good. But but they, you know, they earned it. I mean, all four lines were good, and the Varley was good, and even though barzell's line didn't score they were good and you know they, they earned that win uh, and you know until the very end they kept the boston's top line you know under check although eventually they they broke through and um yeah it was it, 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 it was a well-earned win and it was a gritty win and and it was kind of cool to see sezikas get that game winner
0: oh, colin I went back and looked, and that was Casey Zizekas' first playoff goal since 2015.
2: I know. I retweeted you. (laughs) You remember which coach he scored that goal against in 2015? According to you, he scored it against the Washington Capitals, coached by one Mary Trotz, which is uh, interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, it seems like a hockey lifetime ago. I mean, at that point, Casey Sezika was, was a young and upcoming, you know, kind of center. And now he's this established Federer. I mean, he wasn't, you know, green behind the uh, ears rookie in 2015, but it was several years ago as
2: uh, a long time in, 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 uh, (laughs) in hockey terms. It's a long time.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, Neil, you, you mentioned the four line balance, and actually, let's start with let's start where it all starts in the playoffs in net. Um, we all said who we thought was going to start in Game Two. I'm pretty sure. Was I wrong? I, I, I sort of forget, but I, I, I feel like I was wrong because I can't keep up with what Barry Trotz is thinking. Although he makes it seem so simple after the games with these explanations that, I mean, well, you know, we, we just figured if, uh, you know, we'd ride Ilya Sorokin as long as we he could go. And, you know, if he lost game one, we'd turn to Varlamov. Done and done, right? It, it, it
1: is, yeah, you know, it is interesting to me both after game one in the first series, which, of course, Sorokin actually won and, and they made the change. And after this one, you know, I, I think he's not lying when he says in his head, it's an easy decision. In our heads, it's like, well, no, Sorokin won four games. And he looked pretty good, Yeah, know, mostly played fine in game one. But it just sort of illustrates the confidence that he has in Varlamov that in his head, no, this was a no brainer. What are you guys talking about? And uh, so, yeah, before the game, I thought Sorokin would start and that Leo would not be on the first line. Well, sure, <laughs> enough, Sorokin doesn't start and Leo is on the first line. And then Varley plays well in the first line, even though they didn't score a goal, they played well. So obviously it appears that Barry Trotz knows more about hockey than I do. I know this is a shock to our listeners, what Barry Trotz does. I will concede that Barry Trotz knows more about hockey than me.
2: Hey, Colin, you know... Uh... <laughs> Yes, I did think that Barlamov would start. Yes. Yeah.
1: No, 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 no,
0: no, no. I wasn't going to ask you that. I saw on Twitter you yeah. you responded to, I believe, a Michael Clink who was who couldn't wait for this podcast because he said it was going to be lit. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and and I'm trying to figure out the whole way back to the hotel what the heck we can do to make sure our podcast <laughs> is lit. And, and, and I got to be honest, the only reason I know what lit is is because I, I, I had teenage daughters who would say lit all the time. And yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know what they were talking about for the longest time, but now I do. So Colin, yeah. how, how can we make this lit? What are we going to do to make this lit here?
1: Uh, Uncle Leo jokes.
0: Okay. Neil, why do you hate Uncle Leo?
1: I not hate. I've never hated Uncle Leo, uh, despite you know Colin attacking me on Twitter during the game. I, I, what I said was that I did not believe in him as a left wing on a number one line on a Stanley Cup <laughs> team. Now today he played well. That whole line played well again. Still didn't score. He got
2: them a power play. Oh, you
1: know he oh, did. No, He's absolutely a goal. He absolutely annoyed an opponent into cross checking him. <laughs> for a key power play which well, that's what he does i'm again i'm not an uncle leo hater i thought they would take him off the, the top line they just still did not score a goal however they i i certainly agree that they had a good game and barzell had a lot of chances um uh yeah so again trotz knew what he was doing by keeping that line together they look good so if they can keep that up of course eventually that's going to lead to some goals
0: let me ask you, Colin, do you think because I mean, you know, cause we're a knee-jerk sports writers, right? And you know, and 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 on an off day when Barry Trotz says, you know, it'll be the same 18 skaters, but he's he's probably gonna change up the combination and we go at it like drooling dogs. And <laughs> you know, do you in retrospect, do you think Barry Trotz ever had any inclination to change up his combinations or was this just something to throw the Bruins off the scent?
2: Maybe. I think he never had any intention of changing his lines. Um, But you know, cause Barry's pretty, you know, I mean, he's pretty decisive. You would not have changed goalies. I would not have changed goalies. I thought he might, but I wouldn't have done it. Neil, you certainly wouldn't have done it but this guy, as you say, he changes the goalies and he says, well, you know, it was obvious, you know, of course we're going to change goalies. I mean, he's got a five and one record and da, 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 starts throwing numbers at, you know, I guess he plays well against, uh, against Boston, right? He's five and one. was Owen. It was like oh and two or whatever. Oh, or o- <laughs> o- two and one or whatever it is. So, um, so, for Barry, it, it it was it was as clear as day that you know the move to make was was to change goalies, and he did it, you know, and he just he didn't let us know about it. And I, I think uh, you know there is a reason why he has Kamarov playing with Barzal, and he just keeps saying, you know, you know, as nicely as he can, he keeps saying that Barzal should just like stop whining, <laughs> play what you're playing with, and just do your job. And um, there's a reason why he has uh, Komarov playing on that line. um, And he believes in it. And uh, I don't know. I don't think he had any intention of of changing up the lines. I mean, you know, um, it is, you know, I think you did an early story today about gamesmanship. Gamesmanship, yes talking about not talking about injuries and this and keeping information to close to the vest and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think this might've been some gamesmanship on his part.
0: And, you know, in, in retrospect, looking back at it now, they had an optional practice on Sunday, so they didn't run lines. Then they had an optional skate this morning, so they didn't run lines. Then if he was going to switch up the combination Probably would have wanted to get a practice in with the new combinations going together a little bit. Just thinking, if,
2: if he was going to make a change, it would have been swapping out Zajac and Leo. Right, Um Leo going on on that Pajot line, and and, and
1: Zajac going up, or or him. Paul or Paul Mary, or Pajot. <laughs> or, right. I, 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 just, I mean, yeah, you talk about it in retrospect. Yeah, the goalie thing, when you hear when you hear him talk about it, it does make sense. You know, I can see it, I understand it. Barlimanoff had a great year, et cetera, et cetera. But I, the, the changing the lines thing seemed like a no brainer to me because he was getting nothing from that line. Like to me, I don't know what was in his head and whether he ever intended to do it or not. But to me, that was a very that would have been a very logical move, even though he didn't do it.
2: But I, but I think what he was saying is it's not Leo that's the problem.
0: Right, exactly. And then he's
2: saying it's Barzell that's the problem. He's coming to me and telling me that I can't play with this guy. You got to get me
1: somebody that right, can't. No, wait, wait a minute. We are the ones who were whining about. I was the one who was whining about Leo. We don't know that Barzell. No, 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 I, well, he okay. certainly didn't publicly complain about playing Certainly not.
2: And you, and you would not do that. But But the way Barry was talking, It was as though he was saying it's not about who he's playing with. And he said that more than once. I know. I I
1: know. I know. But that's, well, fine. But still, that doesn't mean coaches don't change lines around, uh, you know. So it is about who people play with or else there'd be no discussion of who's on what lines.
0: Barzy played with the same two guys he's been playing with, and he was twice as noticeable in this game as he might have been in any other playoff game so far. He was, he was aggressive towards the crease. He he was passing very well. He was creating not only for himself but for Jordan Eberle and for for Leo Komarov. I think, I think Barry's a very smart man. And he sent that message to Barzell, probably said it to him face-to-face because uh, Barry is a very direct person. But, you know, he also put it out there on, in the media and in social media and places where Barzell would see it in public. And, and I think Barry was pretty smart and he got the message to, to, to Barzi exactly what you're saying, that it's, it's on him.
2: Right. Right. No, no, it, it, yes. And again, you know, if, if, if I'm saying that I, you know, I was, you know, taking some artistic license to suggest <laughs> that Barzal may have gone and complained, I'm sure he wouldn't have gone into Barry's office and said, you got to do this. But the point is Barry was trying to get a message to Barzal saying, Hey, enough. it's, it's, it's not them. It's you. And, you know, but, you know, for me, Barzell's
1: got a score on that breakaway, though. I mean, yeah. well, yeah, okay, but not every, not, you, yeah, and, uh, yes, not but, but not every breakaway is going to be a score. Of course, that would have been better, <laughs> but, but the bottom line is he had a very, very noticeable, impactful game, even if he's still waiting for his first goal. Um, yeah, ba- Barry, you know, since I've, like I've said before, i also have my media writer hats that I wear sometimes. Um yeah, Barry is 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 a master because he gives us what we need and just gets us through the day every day. Especially in the Zoom era, he's been incredibly valuable for writers. And yet he's also managing, like you alluded to, to send the messages he wants to to his players. So he's playing both sides. I mean, he's giving us what we need. He's giving fans material to read, and he's also, you know, getting messages to his team. So he's he's a master. I'm telling you, he's one of the best I've ever seen at this
0: you know, we're just happy he's ours right <laughs> well
1: well again especially you know look you know I, i'm not no this sounds like sports writer whining of course but but you know in the zoom era it's a challenge for us to get you know interesting material we were limited in how many players we get and it's just a different situation than we're used to and the fact that we have barry trotz talking every day you know is is a gift because it gets it gets us through the day
0: well, we got two days now until game three back at Nassau Coliseum, which will not be packed at 27,422 people <laughs> or, or, or whatever NBC was reporting. It will be 12,000 no, people. No,
1: Joe Micheletti just misspoke a little bit by a few thousand. Come on.
0: No, I love Joe. And we love Joe. We yeah. love Joe, and I know I know Islander fans consider him a traitor because he's doing Ranger games now. But honestly, if you spent twenty seconds with Joe Micheletti, you'd think he's the greatest guy on the planet. So
1: yeah. he is just, a funny man. He's a funny. Man. Just, just, yeah.
0: just tweaking Joe, but so the series goes back to Long Island for Game Three on Thursday night, tied one-one. Assuming Varlamov is in net, Game Three. <laughs>
1: I'm
2: gonna guess <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I, believe, <laughs> I believe Semyon Varlamov will be starting in. It. I you know, I you know what here's what I think. Here I think that Barry, you know, we think that they have two good goaltenders. Barry says they have two good goaltenders, mm-hmm. and they do have two good goaltenders, but I think that Barry believes that Varlamov is the better of the two. And I think he he wants to play Varlamov. And you know, listen, he he put him in for game two against Pittsburgh guy, gave a bad goal, then made 43 saves. They lost to one. And then game three didn't go well and he didn't play well. And so he took him out. And then the other guy won two more games or three more games to to close out the series. And what are you going to do? You're not going to change him off of a a win like that. So he had to start him. You know, I think if he, if he had his brothers, Barry, I think he would have started Varlamov in, in game one but the other guy had won three games in a row. So he started out and he played fine, but he didn't win. And so that kind of opened the door. And I think ultimately Barry's outlook on this is that Marlamov is the number one, period.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> You're exactly right. He was, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't think he's lying when he says that he likes Sorokin and Sorokin's a good goalie, but there's also no question that, he's he's just he's just waiting to get farlam back in there um because he just has that comfort level understandably um like he said you know every time like he says every time it comes up the guy was like one of his our mvp and he's seven shutouts and all this yeah. stuff all of which is true
0: and by the time people are listening to this he may be a a vesna finalist you know and, and barry was uh you know, campaigning for votes in his post-game presser, but uh, that that comes a out late
2: now, isn't
0: it? <laughs> well, yeah, it is. It is late, and he was talking to the wrong crew because we don't have a Vesna vote. But still, um, on the other hand, and this is this is not Varlamov's fault because Nick Letty got absolutely pantsed by Charlie Coyle. <laughs> The Bruins scored on their first shot and it had to bring up bad memories of Varlamov's two starts against the Penguins and, and the Islanders, they just, you know, they're a better team when they're not playing from behind it. It, it worked out in the end today, tonight, but it's not a recipe I would recommend them trying if they're going to have ultimate success in this series against the Bruins. they, They just can't give up goals on the first shot of the game.
1: It was also exactly the type of shot that Sorokin is best at, you know, that moving side to side, getting his leg down. You know, you you wonder when that exact goal might maybe Sorokin makes the save. But, of course, it's all a moot point now. Um, But, yeah, to your your main point, these slow starts are not – not helpful I mean against Pittsburgh they were the by far the the lesser team in the first periods overall and uh, Boston's more you know, capable of making a pay for that
0: which you know lesser teams in the first period but the Islanders made a living this season by being the better team in the third period which is and I know this is going to sound like oh yeah sure right yeah, that's what you were thinking, but I, I swear, as it's three to one, I'm watching this game thinking the Islanders have to get another goal. They 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 have to take a four one lead here. I, I I've been in too many games at TD Garden, regardless of which team I'm covering, where the Bruins just blow up your running story with late goals in the third period, and, 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 and
1: it I mean, after that, Berge, after the Bergeron goal, I, I was like thinking again for our selfish deadline purposes, I was thinking, yeah, the best case scenario now is to get out of here in overtime and regroup because I <laughs> thought at that point the Bruins might just win in regulation, which they almost did. Um, so, yeah, they, they are, as we've been writing constantly, <laughs> they're incredibly explosive. And that first line was very quiet for most of the game. And then all of a sudden, you get to two goals and then Pasternak almost scores. And yeah, those, those guys are scared.
0: Um, if we're gonna blame that third period on, on someone or something, because I know Islander fans are always looking to like throw the blame around, right? I got an email from the uh, the the desk editor. At around nine fifty-five, when the Islanders were still <laughs> up three-one in the third period, that read, "If the Islanders are still up by two goals, get the story in by ten fifteen, regardless of whether the game is over."
1: <laughs> I sent my column in at well, I sent my column in at ten o'clock when it was three to one. Whatever, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I understand that nobody cares about our See, deadline, Here's problem. what I'm going to blame. But, but it i is,
2: blame, uh, too many men on the ice penalty because uh, and how you
1: know, do you do okay. that? I, that thought, I thought it was interesting after the game that Bailey, you know, correctly blamed himself for that. He blamed himself because it was his fault. And he, and he was just happy Sezik has bailed him out.
0: Yeah. Um uh, a lot of people thought that was Jordan Everly because Jordan Everly got sent to the penalty box there, but uh, wow. yeah, it was it was just a, a sloppy change when you can't make a sloppy change. And, and the you know, Barry Trotz always talks about the details of the game and you always hear players talking about details of the game and it's this big blanket statement. Well, making a good line change, with you know, with with under ten minutes to play in the third period of a, a one goal game, those are details, and, and you can't get them wrong.
2: You know, the, the team that I cover, the Rangers, yeah, has, has been known to take a too many men on the ice penalty now and again. Um, over <laughs> the last three years, they've they've taken quite a few. Here's what I don't understand: like I, you know, now my kids play lacrosse, right, and so I'm a lacrosse dad. And the games are very similar and stuff. And then you change on the fly lacrosse too. But in lacrosse, it's a little different because you're not jumping over the boards. And the guy literally has to step over the line before the other guy can step onto the line, which is not the case in hockey. But I was thinking, why don't they just have an area, like a little green zone outside the benches there, where it's like as soon as you get to that area, then the guy can jump on. This way that would that would like eliminate a lot of confusion, you know, because a lot of times, you know, guys will jump on when the other guys like 10 feet away. And the referees and the linesmen will allow it as long as the puck doesn't go in like the middle of eight guys or whatever.
1: Well, you yeah.
2: have like an area that was clearly designated like painted like in a different color. Where you knew that I can't jump over the boards until that guy's skate touches that that green area or that yellow area or whatever.
1: Well, really? you're right. You're right, you're right that there's a kind of a lot of fuzziness with that role. However, in this case, Bailey actually shot the puck down the right. ice, which is definitely not okay. Oh. But you're right, it is a weird it is a weird system. I totally agree. Yeah, but it, it's a system that
0: players Ninety-eight point seven ten seven 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 percent of the time have gotten correct. Uh, it, it, it's part of the game. You should be able to do it. Also, the other problem is, you know, the owners took a bath during the pandemic. There's a flat salary cap. I'm pretty much thinking that no one's going to want to pay for that green paint. <laughs>
1: You know, uh, on, on another topic, since uh, we're probably running out of time, I, I understand that hockey is a different sport than baseball. It has a salary cap, and Canada presents all sort of different challenges because for free agents, whatever. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs should be, should be the Yankees of hockey because of their resources, their their, their set up to be a dominant franchise. The fact that they have not been to the finals since 1967 is insane. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. It is absolutely it's wonderful. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, I know it's not a perfect analogy to baseball, but they should be the Yankees of the NHL. And the Canadians.
2: The Canadians are the Yankees. Okay. whatever okay
0: no, they no 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 the, the maple leafs uh, he's right the maple leafs in, in the way they're covered in the way there's there's pressure on them the way they the way there are expectations the maple leafs are the yankees
1: except the canadians have 23 stanley oh, that's, but that's so, how many part, do the but that's, that's part of the no. point the, the, the fact that's what i'm saying though the fact that the maple leafs have been this bad for 55 years 54. 54. 54. Sorry, it was the year I was born, they won their last Stanley Cup.
0: I know how old I am, don't be older than I really am.
2: Well, Well, here's the thing, Andrew they can't win again and for another year, so exactly.
1: Exactly. I'm just, I just find it all I'm saying. I'm not an expert on the problems of the Maple Leafs for the last 55 years. I'm just saying that it's one of the strangest things in North American (laughs) sports that that franchise. Has not, they haven't been to a final, let alone win a cup, correct? I, I mean, that, it's just astounding. Well, they can't I'm, I'm, get
2: out of what is the weakest division in the NHL, they can't win around. It is
0: the Maple Leafs. I mean, they're, they're kind of this torchbearer for futility now <laughs> in the NHL, but. The Philadelphia Flyers haven't won a cup since 75, right? Um, but, the,
1: the, but that's not the same. They're the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah.
0: How about the, the the New York Rangers, Collins' team? It's now 27 years again.
1: I'm just I mean that's all these are all other issues. I'm all I'm saying is I find it incredible and fascinating that that franchise has not been to a final in 54 years. Oh.
0: I mean, amazing because they were up 3-1 on a Canadian's team that, you know, is universally regarded as not as good a team. But they have Carey Price, but they're still up 3-1. And, and they have game seven on their home ice, albeit with only 550 healthcare workers in the building. And they can't close out this series. And I, I don't know if you saw the poor post-game Zoom, but that goalie was in tears for giving up that goal, you know, to Brendan Gallagher.
1: When you think about the population of that metro area, and obviously there's still, you know, Canadians are, the there's more Canadians in the NHL than any other uh, country, you know, even though there's, that's less true than it used to be. I I assume that there are more people in the NHL who grew up as Maple Leafs fans than any other, you know, any other team. So it's, it's just, it's just, Incredible.
0: I mean, you know, I mean, we can go into the history. There used to be territorial drafts, which is why the Canadian teams were, you know, the Maple Leafs and the Canadians were so good for so long because they kept all their great hometown talent, you know, to themselves, you know, without Boston or the Rangers or the Blackhawks, um, you know, getting a chance to get those, that type of talent. But
1: (laughs) to bring it back to the Islanders, you know, I, I tweeted this out just to be obnoxious earlier. You know, how, I, how are the Capitals and Maple Leafs doing without Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello lately?
0: It, it's a, it's a very fair point. I, you know, the, the, the Maple Leafs have not won around since Lou Lamorello left the, uh,
1: and the Capitals haven't
0: won around. Have <laughs> and, 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 you know, if you look at the bigger picture, how many stars are out of these NHL playoffs? You got Austin Matthews is out, Connor McDavid is out, uh, um, Alex Ovechkin is out, Sidney Crosby is out. I mean, Neil, you you talk oh, to the they- NBC folks all the time. Are are they crying at this point? Or-
1: no, no. As long as Leo Komarov is in the playoffs, <laughs> okay. no, they're good with Uncle Leo. All those other guys don't need him.
2: Uh, They have New York and Boston, of course. It's you know, it's the other New York, but you know. <laughs>
1: and, anyway. Oh yeah, what, what's NBC going to do? Like not cover the NHL next year? That's already happening. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so oh, game mean? game game three Thursday night at the Coliseum.
2: What's the capacity going to be? How many people are going to be in the building?
0: 12,000 12, on the nose. What? Do the Islanders need to do better in Game Three, if anything? Colin Stevenson,
2: start better. I, I I don't know. Didn't I say that last time? Though I mean,
0: yeah.
2: Um, what do they need to do better? Well, it would help if you don't screen your goalie as much. Uh, I think uh, Dobson screened uh Marlamov on I guess the second goal. Um, pretty bad actually. Um. And then wasn't Mayfield screening him on the third goal, on the tying goal, too? So I guess, you know, yes, no, I I can't say have a better start because I said that last time. I'm going to say try not to screen your goalie. How about that?
0: Neil, you got anything to add there?
1: I mean, I, I think that they did a pretty good job against the top line in game two, certainly better than they did in game one. But, you know, and if they can at least – keep those guys reasonably under control they're going to stay in these games so um it's not going to be easy i mean i picked the bruins in six when this thing started and if you force me to choose i'll stick with the bruins but you know game two was another example of the islanders resiliency and depth and all that stuff so you know you got to give them credit for that win and um
2: are we changing are we changing picks? because i am not I in five but i i don't i don't like that anymore
1: no, I'm, the, I'm the, no, I'll, I'll stay with my pick of six, but uh, I, I give the I, I just was very impressed, know, um, yeah, with everything, almost everything about the Islanders' performance in Game Two, and 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 their coach's decisions. Even though he disagreed with me, as I said earlier, uh, but he was right, so <laughs> so I'll give him credit. A
2: big man to admit, Neil.
1: Yeah, I'm willing to, right. get Again, I'm willing to concede. He knows more about hockey than me. Uh, but I'd like to see him cover a, I'd like to see him write a column on deadline for a game like that. Let's have Barry do that for the next game.
0: <laughs> Barry Barry would just farm that out to Kimber. so <laughs> um,
2: what do you think, Andrew?
0: What do I think? What do they need to do better? Yes.
2: yes. let's hear let's hear you on this.
0: At one point it was, it was very odd that the, the shot totals did not seem to be. Matching up to what the eyes were telling you, but I, you know, I, I I did think you know at one point they needed to get more to the net, you know, although they they held a, an incredible shot advantage. uh What was in at one point in overtime the shots were seven to one. Yes. Yeah. Um, eight to one at one time actually. Eight, eight to one. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, you you guys took some good ones, you know, better start. I, I mean, here's what I think for Game Three is the the Islanders cannot get overamped, you know, because it's going to be an electric atmosphere, obviously. And I, I, you know, as much as you want to feed off of that, you can't sort of feed into it. You can't kind of show off for the home crowd. They. You know, I I think they need to establish their game right at the start, just the way they played a road game, rather than, you know, kind of being, you know, running around and getting all crazy and trying to get the crowd going even more. Just let the crowd do what the crowd's going to do, and, you know, you do what you're going to do.
1: Well, because the other thing about that crowd, and it's great that they're going to be amped up, of course, it's going to be a great atmosphere However, the Bruins are not going to be intimidated. You know, when when you when, when they're chanting Tristan Jari's name, you know that that might actually have an effect. Tuukka is not gonna is not going to be intimidated by by a crowd. It's just a veteran team that you know they're gonna they're just gonna deal with it. So that doesn't mean people shouldn't be you know into it. That'll be fun. But yeah, I don't. You're right. It could. It, it has the potential to be more of a negative than a positive for the home team if they don't handle it correctly.
2: You could use is an actual goal from Barzell. That would help.
0: That would help. And I'll tell you what, whatever they were doing on the power play, keep doing that. Because they went two for three. And that was a huge difference in the game tonight.
2: Yeah, what, what, what did they do? Because like, the first game, their power play was um, not good. Well, it, it was funny
0: because that uh, they had three power plays. They scored on two of them. And, and the first one, and I noted it, the, the, that that the Nelson unit was out, I think, the whole time on that one. And it finally came through with about, I don't know, 30, 25 seconds left on the power play. This The second or the, the one they didn't score on, I, I just noted down that it, it was very tentative. They were passing or around the perimeter without getting off shots. And that's exactly an example of what they can't do. And then then they, you know, they they get another power play goal. And Bailey, you know, obviously a bit of luck, you know, trying to center a puck and it, it goes right in off a defenseman's skate. So, but those are the, you know, you make your own luck. And if you pass the puck towards crease and not around the perimeter chances are you got a much better chance of scoring so what you know whatever worked on the power play keep doing that and speaking of the power play and I, I know we went over this the last episode as well but barry trotz brought it up that oliver wallstrom is quote unquote getting nearer and we'll see where he is for game three
2: yeah they've got two days between game two and three right i mean they, they, yeah they... Thursday. So gives them an extra day. Um and we'll see. And then so then I guess the question would be uh that you asked after I don't know, one of these last ones. I guess af- after game six, what do you who do you take out if, if he's coming back in? Do you take Zay Jack out of I me. Mean, I thought Zay Jack played pretty good again tonight.
1: Well, Z- he also put Zajac in a few times just to take a face-off and took him out. That shows how much he values him as a face-off guy since they're getting killed. Well, oh, Bergeron, you know, he's just too good on face-offs.
0: Bergeron will kill anyone. Um, I thought I thought Zajac, Palmieri, and Pajot really had something going tonight. I, I thought they were really heavy on the forecheck and, and active down low, so –
1: but, but speaking of lacrosse, you know, since that Colin knows that sport really well, the Zajac thing was reminding me of the – what do they call those guys? The Fogos? The, what, yes, yes. So he was reminding me of that, where he takes the face-off and then leaves the ice. So, so, so
2: folks who are, who are listening, when Neil when says Fogo, <laughs> what, what that is is the, the face-off guy in lacrosse, a lot of them are what they call Fogos, which is face-off and get-off. <laughs> so well, that's, that's where that comes from. So that's, yes, that's, uh, that is very uh, reminiscent of, uh, of lacrosse. That's, that's true.
0: All right. We're going to, uh, we're going to park the speed boat back at the dock here. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back with you after game three, back at the Coliseum, that game again, Thursday night, Islanders and Bruins, 730 and then Saturday at the Coliseum at 715. And then we'll find out what game five on Monday back in Boston will be. So That'll
1: be, that'll be noon. A Monday noon start, I think, would be good.
0: You know, you know what's funny is like I think so. we pray for these afternoon games. The fans hate them. Because,
1: I'm aware of that, but, they I'm
0: they all about me, that but it's all about me. I mean, they're they're very upset, even with 630, because, you know, it doesn't give them enough time to get there from work.
2: You I understand. Know? Especially I know. with the traffic the way it is these days. Oh, my goodness.
0: Long Island Railroad has got to get its schedule back because this is untenable. Just sitting and not moving on Long Island for hours on end, it's untenable.
1: Let's just get the Bruins there before, you, you know, we got to get you there and the Bruins there. I'm
0: thinking of buying one of those little, like, personal helicopters and just... Asking John Ledecky if he can clear a low parking area for me in the parking lot, and I'll just fly out there. <laughs> News, Newsday will pay for that, too. Oh, I knew they really would.
1: Yeah. They charter helicopters for me all the time. No, no, no. I'm not talking about
0: chartering a oh. helicopter. I'm talking about <laughs> those build-your-own helicopters, like a gyro. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Don't do that.
0: Anyway... So that's it for episode 93 of the Island Ice podcast. I want to thank, as always, Neil Best at Sports Watch, Colin Stevenson at Colin S. Newsday. I am Andrew Gross at A. Gross Newsday. And you can also, if you would like, subscribe to Newsday Islanders Text, which is your direct connection to one-on-one communication with me. And you can text 631-303-3766. That's 631-303-3766. Or go to newsday.com backslash IELTS text to start your 14-day trial subscription. Everything Colin, Neil, and I write, say, or get behind the camera to do is on newsday.com backslash IELTS. And until after game three, happy hockey, everybody.